recorded live. You understand that whatever I do, it comes back to you and mom. I don't want you to get hurt. Since the last game, something's different. See it? What can you see? microphone in and ignoring each other in real life. <laughs> to misquote um, what we just heard. <laughs> Hi, Hello, Dave. Well, uh, let's, 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 uh, I don't know. Let's, let's get on and introduce who's in the room today. Joining us on audio, Mr. Darth Skeptical. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. How are you? Ah, not too bad. Not too bad. Eager to get up to the news today. There's been... News from Comic-Con, but we'll get there, we'll get there. All right, also joining us on audio for a limited time only. <laughs> Sorry. And Mr. Randall Thor. Hello, hello, everyone. How are you today? Very good, very good. Very glad yeah. to hear you. Five, four. <laughs> Sorry, it's a little countdown. All right. Also, Rick Wall is here. Somewhere. Calling Ritwall. Ritwall to a I think he's on the other bat phone. Ah. All right. Dave, take over. <laughs> Let's bring this one on you. Sir, my headphones are dying. They're not, are they? Yes, they are. Are you sure it's not the bit in between the headphones? Cheeky sod. Uh- Okay, well, uh, let's see where we've got uh, the rest of the people. Well, there aren't any rest of the people, are they? That's about it. Uh, We've got the others under the cone, so let's find the cone. Control, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? Yeah, and under the cone we have, as ever, Cybob, Logan. Logan from the Media Outsiders. Uh, well, uh, for the moment, from the Media Outsiders. That's call ID 81865, which will be going out later today about 10 p.m. Eastern. But grab it while you can, because it may not be around for too much longer. And we've got returning Willis Girl, who, who had to come back, had to come back for our 
five-year anniversary show and we're glad that they've come back again and she's come back again welcome willis girl and we've got a guest nine who who may be allowed to text chat shortly and isn't that just a brilliant show intro we've only done 460 of these shows and well we still haven't got it down pat but there you are talking of pat that's the name of our monkey i've just given him a name here we go Go pat, go pat monkey, pat monkey, don't pat the monkey, go. <laughs> go failing batteries, monkey, go. <laughs> are you are you plugged back in again? Are you wired I yourself up? My wireless are no longer wireless headphones. Uh, they're now wired. <laughs> Unfortunately, the wire was way too... Sh- I'd rerouted everything on my desktop, and I'd routed it behind the, behind the desk, behind the screen, and that would have meant me, like, eating the microphone if I stayed plugged in that way. Sorry for that, uh, Dave. It's the only time you're going to get a sorry out of me. But, you know. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they noticed. I think the switch was seamless. Yeah, yeah. Nobody <laughs> noticed the difference. All right, first up with news is Dave. Take it away, Dave. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh Right, oh, yeah. well, um, apologies if I stamp over anybody else's news. Um, so let me go to the one that I'm fairly certain... Uh, the other people haven't got because it's not really news. <laughs> so they probably think it wasn't there. But before I do that, let me just uh, preface that by saying uh, we have got two apologies. We've got apologies from uh, Cuddly Ken. Uh, not feeling too bright at the moment, but he does hope to make it back and he sends his uh, love to everybody here. Uh, and also from Kobo4747. Um, he's sorry he's missed this and Mike's trivia. And I'll give Mike... Uh, a moment before I go into news to uh, say if he wants to mention anything about trivia himself, but um, I'm just checking to see if he's on audio. We we, we keep poking him with a stick, you see. Um, and unfortunately, uh, well, well, not unfortunately, because it was highly successful, had uh, some surgery uh, on Monday just gone, and he hopes to be joining uh, us here next Sunday. But prior to that, he should be joining a certain show called uh, Radio Free Camelin, on this coming Friday, and Mike, do you want to just mention that show? Sure, of course. Uh, this past Friday, we had these past two Fridays, we've had first-time guest hosts on on Friday Night Trivia. And for those unfamiliar, the way things go there is if you win, you get the glorious prize of hosting the following week. Such a wonderful prize. But uh, Louis Chapani hosted this past Friday, his his first time hosting. The week before that, we had Tim hosting for the first time, and Tim is hosting again. <laughs> Two weeks later, imagine that. But uh, yeah, Friday Night Trivia, uh, Radio Free Camelin, talk show ID 72402, just one of many things that I do over on Radio Free Camelin. Thank you very much for that. Okay, the first piece of news is not too news related, but it's also relating to um, a big event going on currently in Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, That's where the Commonwealth Games are going. Uh, over 90 countries represented there, I believe, in many sports. But um, uh, at the quayside there, they've uh, they've set up a studio and they're having lots of events and workshops. Excuse me, one moment. Uh, lots of uh, workshops and things and uh, extras going on. And um, the uh, former members of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop uh, performed um, just a couple of nights ago. Um, uh, on the quayside, and um, they were they were doing some of the music that they now do 
uh, and tour with. Uh, so the Radiophonic team were performing music from the Hitchhiker's Guide, uh, Guide to the Galaxy and Doctor Who, and they played some other of their uh, things that they're going uh, they've got for their live tour. Uh, one was called Electrical by Paddy Kinsland. Another one was called Wireless. Um, the guys there was Mark Ayres, Peter Howe, Kirin Pepper, Paddy Kinsland and Roger Lynn. Uh, and it went on for about uh, an hour and a quarter. They had one slight difficulty. They had a big screen set up, but it didn't tell anybody it was very hot in the UK these last few days. Uh, there was very bright sunshine, and they had to bring some smaller televisions, proper televisions, rather than the projector, because uh, the the images they were showing while they were playing the music were just uh, not able to be seen. But um, here's a little uh, clip from um, them playing. They played an extended version of the Doctor Who theme, nearly seven, eight minutes long. But here's um, just a little part of that uh, Your audio is not playing, Dave. It there, it was uh, yeah, it was a good seven minutes long. The uh, the piece on that, but um, uh, excellent it was too. Uh, well, well uh, watched uh, uh, with the uh, local people there. So that was um, Paddy Kins, Kinsland, Peter Howell, Dick Mills, Mark Ayres, Roger Lim, and Kieran Pepper. Uh, they were the main people with some backing help as well. So uh, excellent uh, little thing. Uh, the other piece of news is just related to an article about Peter Capaldi that was in my Sunday paper. Uh, I think Mike might be able to tell us when he goes to, go to him that um, it might be available elsewhere to read, but it was in my Sunday Times supplement. Just read a, a little bit, not too spoilerish. Um, uh, Capaldi was in Prague shooting the Musketeers when his agent called to say he got the part. He spent the afternoon wandering around the city, humming the Doctor Who theme tune. I just didn't think it was something that would happen to me. He had to keep his secret from everyone but his wife and his 21-year-old daughter for the next 10 weeks. Uh, this is when he would have found him in Forbidden Planet, amusing himself and only himself. But he didn't say yes to the part immediately. I didn't want to be in Doctor Who in a Doctor Who I didn't like. I had to be convinced that the show was going in the direction I was interested in. I had to think carefully about the level of visibility. Uh, my life was blessed, but as soon as this happened, I had paparazzi outside my house. People spoke to me before and recognised me, but nothing like this. I had to decide if I was ready to live with that, because once the genie is out of the bottle, it doesn't go back in. 
but there's an awful lot there. Maybe even Mike might comment on it. And I might have another piece of news depending on what other people have got to cover. Um, I'm hoping because Mike tried to get a, an audio clip for us, he will be taking the one about the blue plaque. So, do you want to go next, Mike? Sorry? Yeah, sure, sure. So I just I didn't hit the mute switch on my microphone. Yeah, I will go next. I'm just queuing up the uh, audio clip. But uh, several bits of news here. Just some other comments there on the um, Capaldi article that you were just mentioning. There's some other bits in this article where Capaldi's talking about uh, how Series 8 will go. There's a He's, he's talking about the, the relationship between this – this is what I'll comment on here. He's t- talking about the, the relationship between the Doctor and Clara. And Capaldi said, there will be no flirting, that's for sure. It's not what the Doctor is concerned with. It's, a, it's quite a fun relationship, but, but no, I, I did call and say, I want no Papa Nicole moments. I, I think there was a bit of tension with that at first, but, it, but I was absolutely adamant. So there we go. That's uh, a bit more from this article. Um, Hold on, I'm choppy, choppy. I'm just noticing what Darth is putting in the uh, in chat. I'm not sure exactly what he's referring to, but I will put a link here in the chat where I'm reading the article from. Oh, for Dave, okay. That's oh. where I'm reading the article from here. I saw it on Twitter this that morning. Might, There's... Uh, apologies if my audio was funny. Uh, my son's over and he's uh, got Minecraft going on in the other room on oh, his okay. computer, so apologies. Yeah. I'll let yeah, him do all the talking be. today. <laughs> Elsewhere in the article, he talks about uh, the designing the outfit, choosing the outfit for the Doctor, and just other bits and bits and stuff for what we can expect in, in Series Eight. So that's that article. Um, other Doctor, another Doctor Who related news here. Uh, back in 1996, there was a there was a line of Doctor Who novels going on. The the, the new Doctor, the new adventures with Doctor Who, uh, the Seventh Doctor. And uh, one particular entry in this series was a book called Damaged Goods. Uh, This book was written by Russell T. Davies, uh, who would eventually, uh, about a decade later, become the the person in charge of the the revival of the show on television. Never Never heard of him. Never heard of this Russell T. Davies guy. (laughs) I wonder what he went on to do. But the reason I mention... The reason I mention this is because it was recently announced that by Big Finish that they are going to adapt Damaged Goods into an audio an audio story. Uh, the book, as I said, published back in '96, uh, will be adapted into a two-hour full cast audio writ with a screenplay written by Jonathan Morris and a scheduled tentative release date of August, about a year from now, August of next year. And yeah, we have that to look forward to. Uh, it'll Feature, of course, as the story was the seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy. So I know Darth is excited about that. But Russell T. Davies' uh, first story for Doctor Who, first published story for Doctor Who, being adapted to a an audio adventure. Um, one quick story news item from Comic Con, which we've had going on these past two days, and this is comic book Star Wars related, and we have. Uh, Marvel un- un- announced plans for the Star Wars comics in, uh, next year. Three new entries in in, the, in their their. Of course, Marvel now has the license to Star Wars in the, in the comic books, like Disney and everything. But the, 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 we have three titles, and we have the, the like we have the writers announced for these. The illustrators, the three titles. We have Star Wars. We have we have. We have 
a main Star Wars novel. We have a Star Wars novel book, comic book that will focus on Darth Vader, and it's one that will focus on uh, Princess Leia. We have those coming out next year, starting in January. Let's see here. The article goes on to talk about. Uh, this was announced yesterday, but we have Jason Aaron, Kieran Gil- uh, Kieran Gillen, and John Cassidy working on these on these novel on these comic book stories. And we have those to look forward to. These will take place. I think they said these will take these take place between episodes four and five. So, I, I think is where these take place. I'm just skimming through the article right now. This is the one I I linked to in chat. Is not the one that I read the other day. I don't think it says exactly where. Uh, three, three, the three series announced Star Wars by Aaron and Cassidy, Star Wars Darth Vader by Gillen and Salvador Loroca, and Star Wars Princess Leia by Mark Wald and Terry Dodson. All three series will take place in a time frame immediately following the end of the original Star Wars movie, A New Hope, with Star Wars and Darth Vader being ongoing series and Princess Leia being a five-issue miniseries, quoting from the article. So there we go. Comic book news. And I was distracted by this, but I have the... um, the the clip here, which uh, Dave was mentioning, I will cue that up here, and it's uh, okay. I now I just need to move that to the top of the list here, and there we go. So going back to Doctor Who, one more Doctor Who news item, and this is related to Doctor Who, and it's related to Verity Lambert. Here, she was uh, a plaque for her was unveiled, a plaque honoring the first producer of Doctor Who, Verity Lambert, has been unveiled at London's Riverside Studios by the Doctor Who uh, Appreciation Society. The plaque, which marks the achievement of Lambert as a film television producer, will be on display. Uh, page just scrolled because images were loading, but it'll be on... Uh, the, now I've completely lost my place because the page kept loading images, but anyway. Let's see, it's a blue plaque. Film and television producer uh, worked here, is what the plaque says. 19, 1935 to 2007, when she lived. Um, when it will be placed and it will be on display at Riverside Studios until the venue closes for development in the autumn when it will be placed into storage and then permanently mounted at the new Riverside Media Center when completed. And I have a, a clip here. This is uh, set this clip up, Dave. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's introducing uh, Waris Hussain, who's going to do the honors of. Uh, uh, opening this plaque, uh, remembering Verity Lambert, blue mm-hmm. plaque unveiling. We'll play the first minute of this. This is this whole this whole clip is around three minutes forty five thirty forty six seconds. It's up on YouTube. Here's yeah. the first minute. Well, hopefully to an end of a sentence. <laughs> yeah. As we'll do, and I will keep talking until I hear it playing. Which I, there we go. Hello and welcome to Riverside Studios here in London. We're very pleased to present this evening a very special park unveiling. I'm here with Boris Hussein, who's going to unveil the plaque this evening. Thank you. Um, it's a great pleasure for me and a privilege to be unveiling this plaque for Verity Lambert. Um, it's difficult for me to say very much because I'm talking not only about a very prominent person in the world of film and television, but also someone who is a very close friend of mine. So with that in mind, I'm going to unveil the plaque, and then perhaps we can talk about it later. And there you go. The rest of the clip is there on YouTube. There's Waris Hussain unveiling the 
Verdi Lambert Plek. Thank you very much for playing that. Uh, yeah, as you say, it's, it's not a, a long thing, but it's um, a very nice thought. And I, um, I think it was uh, Perry G that uh, alerted me to that, put it on our um, Collective Facebook page. And if you're listening to this, uh, please uh, think about signing up. We've got about 300 members on uh, Facebook. So um, just put uh, the Colton Collective in your little search, Facebook search bar, and you'll find it. You're most welcome. Right after you've done Wait. that for the Big and Fruity Wine podcast. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> I, was just going that. To add, I was just going to add one more quick news item here, and that's for a podcast for, uh, of course, Logan here, here, who's usually here in chat at the beginning of shows. He's the host of a of his own podcast, The Media Outsiders. And as you were alluding to earlier, Dave, when you were introducing people on chat, uh, Logan has, has, has said today that, it, the, his, that the Media Outsiders may be coming to an end soon because if you've been paying attention to that, to that podcast and listening, you've heard that recently Squidlord has announced his resignation from TMO. And without Squidlord, Logan isn't really... And isn't really thinking about continuing the show. So, yeah, the, the, without going into it, that, that's just how things are at the moment. So, uh, apologies to Logan if, uh, well, this is obviously very important to his um, his his whole efforts on the on Torchue, and I know it's very uh, f- you know fond of his heart. So, hopefully, uh, things will change. But currently, that's the way it lies. But there is an episode tonight, I think. And I think he's scheduled it at least for tonight. So uh, maybe people want to rally around and support that if they can. And if you know, if, if that show ends, we won't have a source for topics. So keep keep that show going. Yeah, we need to get topics from somewhere. Yeah. All right. Let's see. I'm checking the page, and. Hello, guys. Uh, I'm sorry about that. If that yeah, there is an episode scheduled. Missed the Special announcement. Introduction. Oh, well, oh, Rick was finally Rick. here. <laughs> Middle eight and over. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Rick. News <laughs> <laughs> is, Rick's here. <laughs> Welcome back, Rick. Thank oh, you. Mike, just finish off what you were saying, if you would, please. Oh, no, that's that's all that I have for the news. Okay. okay. And uh, we're hoping that uh, one of our members that did has uh, just uh, recycled to come back in was having some difficulties certainly hearing my audio. I don't know whether it's any better for you. Darth, is the audio cleared up for you? And, uh, I'm guessing not. I take it everybody else is hearing me. Let me put something what? in text while Ian talks. What? <laughs> just kidding. <clears throat> All right. Um, well, not knowing whether whether Dark's going to be here or not. Um, I've got a little bit of news. I'm right here. Oh, ah, there you are. I came through. We were we were talking to you. Really? I didn't hear that. I, I, heard, I hear you perfectly fine. There was I, I think there's something wrong. With, I think there's something must be wrong with Dave's connection or something. I don't know what the deal is. It doesn't really matter. That's all. Inside uh, baseball, so who cares? But uh, yeah, there's Sorry, some other you. news that's uh, coming around. And uh, one of the big things that's happened this week is uh, Legend of Korra has had a bad press day uh, in, in that um, they their um, content for season three has been moved from TV to web, but it wasn't done in a very graceful way. 
Um, and a lot of people are speculating, oh, this is a big problem. This means that the show is going downhill. And none of that is true. And uh, one of the things that's coming out of uh, Comic-Con is the, the producers of the show are sort of working a little bit hard. I don't want to over-dramatize it. Um, to correct um, what was sort of a graceless uh thing that just sort of happened. It should have been on this last week, and it wasn't on this last week on television. And then Nick, who is the um, the, the broadcaster of it, said, well, it's because we're moving it to web. We're not really you know, laying the groundwork in the proper way and, and, and pointing out that it is a phenomenally successful web series. And in fact, that's really what um, the the series has been for the last two seasons anyway. Um, and that the um, the TV part of it doesn't really matter to the revenue or the success of the show anyway. It, it's already been completely bought and essentially scheduled and paid for uh, up through season four or book four, as the the vernacular of the series is. Um, anyway, so. Um, the the future of the show is not in any particular doubt. There's no this isn't a punitive thing in any way, but rather it is uh, an opportunity for Nick to really push it on the web platform where it's doing phenomenally well, and it's also of course doing phenomenally well in terms of um, aftermarket sale. That is to say, you know, home media sales, which. You know, the core bucks the trend that's going on. You know, generally speaking, these days, uh, physical media is on the decline, but actually, people do buy uh, Legend of Core stuff at a, at a rate that is much better than the industry norm. So, this is a show that actually is in, in more or less rude health, but for some reason, uh, Nick just blew the, the, the whole way it was handled. Um, so, whatever. But uh, luckily, it was blown at a time where the producers had the microphone, where they w- happened to be at Comic-Con. And it really should have been a lot better because they they were there in order to you know, promote the series that was then ongoing. And if, it, if, Nick had, if Nick's publicity arm had been more in contact with the producer's publicity arm, they could have, you know, ratcheted the thing up as hey, great, now we're making it even more accessible, even more free to you, because, you know, we're really going to push the web experience of it. And instead, you know, they're having to put out fires at Comic-Con, which is not really necessary at all. There's nothing wrong with the show. There's nothing wrong with its business model at all. So good stuff, in a way, going on there, but bad bad handling of the press announcement. Uh, some other little things that are coming out of Comic-Con... Uh, I don't know how much has been handled already or what other people are talking about, but, um, you know, this was the launch of Doctor Who Comics Day. Uh, Titan Comics, of course, uh, launching their two new titles, soon to be three new titles. Um, But having a lot of events, a lot of uh, signings that are going on at their booth. Uh, If you're listening to this live, uh, you can still go to their booth. It's still there. It's fine. Uh, you can probably um, figure out. I think there's still some signings that will be going on later in the week, but they had some uh, initial signings and maybe the bulk of their signings going on uh, 
Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Saturday, there was a big panel. I really have not seen the results of that panel that happened yesterday. Um, and then beyond that, they had a um, an event last night outside of the grounds of the Comic-Con at Kamikaze Bookshop that lasted for, I guess, two, two hours, something like that. And... Um, that I guess went well. I don't we, really. There's not been that much um, data as to how well any of this went. But nevertheless, if in, in terms of social media, it appears to have been an event that they could uh, market. They had sort of a clever little meme going on Twitter, um, where they would carry half of the uh, the bottom half of the first issue of the 10th and 11th Doctor's um, run, uh, they blew it up to sort of human size, and then they folded it in half, and then they would go around and they would put that underneath somebody's face, and it kind of matched, you know, it was one of those, you know, stand in front of this pre-made person kind of thing that you see at a carnival or whatever. And it kind of worked like that, and it's, you know... It seems to have been a little bit of a meme on Twitter, um, so hopefully they got a hit out of that. Um, but of course, that's the major Doctor Who news that's coming out of Comic-Con, uh, so I guess we have to celebrate that as much as we can. Um, I don't know. There's other stuff that's happened at Comic-Con. None of it is particularly interesting to me, really, but to other people hopefully will have some thoughts on that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've been uh, just disappointed in general by this this uh, summer season's movies and just the, all the cultural events that are happening this summer have been kind of boring to me a little bit. So I'm not as excited by Comic-Con or, or don't find things in it that are particularly or seem to me particularly noteworthy. I mean, I know that there there were some things that in in the world of comics that came out that are mildly interesting, I guess. But you know, the the villain for the Ant Man film was revealed. Ooh. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, they they they've shown the first image, I guess, of Wonder Woman from the um, uh, Dawn of Justice film, which I refuse to call Superman. Or Batman. It is Dawn of Justice. Um, the and you know that's that's okay. It's kind of in the in the uh, New Fifty Two um, area uh, in terms of her costume. It's not it's not Stars and Stripes Forever like it originally was. It's not it's not you know Defender of America kind of thing. It it definitely is the more muted sort of red and blue without so much white um, thing. Uh, which you know, it's it's fine. It's, it's a good representation of the um, more or less current version of Wonder Woman. So cool, um, but you know, <laughs> it's just a costume. It's nothing to get super excited about or not. I think I'm not exactly sure even what the reaction of the costume has been. To be honest with you, it's just well, there it is. Okay, um, yeah. So, um, I don't even know. The, the biggest thing maybe this week is less than from the box office, in America at least. 
Uh, and that's a little bit of a surprise, sort of, kind of, because it's only gotten, uh, well, it's gotten high mediocre reviews, I guess, but it is not certified fresh, but it's pretty close to being that. Um, but um, Woody Allen film is tanking pretty badly. Um yeah, I just don't know. Oh, oh, there was the kerfuffle in the. Oh, I know what else. There's the. Uh, I've already mentioned that the the premiere of um, Doctor Who is going to be released to cinemas. Have we got that already? I don't even know. No, I was about to do that when because we didn't think we had you. So I've got, uh, <laughs> it is. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, well, unless I have the the, the 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 clip that was released as well, the, the teaser. Okay. Well, there's that. Uh, yeah. So so big news. The uh, Doctor Who. Series 8, Episode 1, is being released to theaters uh, globally. Uh, it is not... It's it's a little unclear details. Details are forthcoming, really, I suppose, tomorrow. What's today? 29th? 29th? 27th. Oh, sorry. 28th. 27th. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, on the 30th, they are going to be on sale in the United States, presumably elsewhere in the world. Uh, see, this is the thing. We don't really have any details to speak of. We don't know at this point what theaters it's even going to be at uh, in any country, as far as I know. I mean, I guess you could assume, if you live in Britain, that it's probably going to be at the Odeon, and, you know, uh, in London, that's probably fine. The main Odeon, I guess it would be at. It's probably, might even be at the BFI. I don't know. But, um, I, you know, who knows where it's going to be, because we don't have that, if you remember the last time we had a theatrical release uh, on the Day of the Doctor, we had a nice you know, math that was great, and you could go into it, and you can put your zip code or your postcode or whatever, and it would say, "Oh yeah, we're right here." We don't have any of that at this point. All we have is an announcement that it will be released globally. Well, you know, all it takes to be released globally is to be at New York and L.A. and London, and that makes it global. So who knows what global means? But it means something. Uh, it's exciting though, and, and one would hope that it is going to be at a wide range of venues, but I suppose it is something that, you know, individual exhibitors are going to have to opt into as opposed to, because it is being handled by Fathom and, and Fathom is not a, um, it's not a, exactly a regular distributor. They are, they are kind of, um, you know, the exhibitor comes to them and says, Hey, what's, what do you have? Cause we might have a boring night and we might want to fill in, you know, something that's happening on a Monday night as this will be. Um, but it does appear that uh, even though in some parts of the world they're going to get it on the 23rd in cinemas alongside the actual broadcast on television on BBC One, that in America that doesn't seem to be what's going to, to be happening. At least if you go to the, the Fathom calendar, it's not on the 23rd, I don't think. It is only on the 25th, which is kind of like Day of the Doctor. Most parts in the United States did not get... Day of the Doctor on the 23rd. Most people got it on the 25th, and that's fine because, you know, you'll have the chance to see it on iTunes or whatever your method of delivery is and then go into a larger theatrical deal, which will be cool. Um, but it's weird. The, there's a little, you know, there's, there's an event, of course, now, and then the other event that was going to precede it and still is going to precede it is, of course, this world tour and uh, there was a kerfuffle in Korea. I don't know if you know this, but there was a uh, the original venue 
was apparently a really bad one, and so oh, and they, yes. <laughs> the, yeah, they didn't know it. Uh, they being the organizers of the event, so BBC Korea or BBC Asia, whatever it is, didn't really get that right, and so they had to backtrack and put it into another place that was a better venue, and uh, the delay the ticket sales uh, until today. They were supposed to be earlier. Um, but it's cool. Uh, I mean, you know, it's the first event that really has ever happened for Doctor Who in Korea. And, you know, the fact that there are enough fans to get mad about something is pretty cool <laughs> in a way. You know, if you look at it that way, um, it's good that they care enough that they were upset, I guess. Uh, but, you know, there's still that old, that that thing that's going on in Brazil, right? The whole undercurrent of, I wouldn't call it rage is probably too strong a word, but disappointment that um, the Doctor team is only going to Rio and not going to Sao Paulo as well. Um, and and that's perfectly reasonable. I mean, I, I still think, you know, as an American, I think you're a little bit angry or, or uh, you got to scratch your head at the fact that they're only going to New York and they're not doing something on the West Coast. I mean, Sure, you can be disappointed if you live in Iowa that they're not coming to Des Moines. Sure, that's disappointing. But it's the kind of disappointment that you're like, well, nobody comes to Des Moines. So, I mean, you know, this is the deal when you live in Des Moines. You're not necessarily going to get the the very biggest cultural events. But to completely ignore L.A. LA or San Francisco, that's kind of a bigger deal, one would think. So, I mean, this is the, you know, that's just putting it in context of what – people in Sao Paulo feel. Uh, but it's even more of a rage in a sense because, you know, Sao Paulo is, again, twice as big as Rio in terms of its population. So, really, the BBC are missing a trick there. Um, and it would be such an easy thing to correct because you could, you could do it in one day. You could do premieres on the same day in both places because you just fly from one place to the other and it takes you, what, an hour tops, maybe? Hour and a half? Um, and then you wonder, if they're going all that way, why don't they just hop on over to the biggest uh, city in, let's face it, the entirety of the Americas and, and show Doctor Who there? I, I still don't fundamentally understand that. But anyway, uh, you got you got that sort of things going on with the world tour, world tour and how, you know, there's also the general lack of access to information about when can we buy the tickets, where are the tickets for sale, where exactly is the venue. There are these things that are still kind of a little bit up in the air and you have to go and subscribe to, um, or you have to give them, at doctor.tv you have to give them your law, uh, your uh, email details and you'll eventually get that information through email. But it's a little bit weird how it's not being fully put out there to begin with to give people time to plan and all that um but still i mean i don't i don't want to rain on anybody's parade it's still a great thing i'm sure that people who go to it are going to have a fabulous time uh it it's just a thing that you know because it's never been done before you wonder if there aren't some things that they could have done to improve the logistics a little bit on it but still good to have it and uh good to see i think i think this thing of I'm not. I'm curious to find out, you know, in a year or whatever, whenever we finally get the details on the production of Series Eight. I will be curious to find out if it was always planned to do this deep breath thing in theaters, 
or if this is something they made up on the fly because of all the crap the shit storm let's face it uh, about the uh, you know lost scripts and the you know leaked episode 1 and all that stuff if this isn't sort of a uh, you know, riding of the boat, as it were. You know, let's do something quickly to show, hey, we know we're in control. We're doing something cool. Let's capitalize on the success that we had last year. I don't, I don't get the sense that it is in any way an actual attempt to do better than what they did uh, at um, in November. I, I don't think that the Guinness World Record is in any way, you know, threatened by what's going to happen here. Uh, but it is still. I still want to know, you know, is this what they were always planning to do, or is this just because they fundamentally, fundamentally screwed up? Or, you know, and, and the other thing that we, I say that they screwed up, but we still don't know exactly. Was that an intentional leak, or was it not an intentional leak? Was it a leak that was done in such a way that they could have plausible deniability, or whatever? And that's not getting too paranoid, but that is getting into the mechanics of social marketing these days you know if you create you know did they create an event that they could then you know roll out to twitter and and tumblr and everything like that and and get the fan community engaged in protecting you know the uh their particular website from the damage that might be done by the revelations of you know script number four or whatever um or or was it a genuine problem? I mean, did somebody actually lose their job for incompetence, or did somebody you know get whatever? Not no, you know, were they actually acting on behalf of the BBC? And you know, is it is it, is it just buzz or is it real? And I don't know. I'm I'm fascinated to know. Uh, this is such an unusual time for Doctor Who. Um, there's not, I, I, you know, I've been watching this thing for years. I've never seen anything like this, like two month period prior to the release of, you know, this, the, the new Doctor's era. I've never seen anything like this. The the incompetence levels are extreme if it is incompetence, and then the, uh, on the other hand, they've got this profound competence of. You know, understanding that they can't be at Comic Con, so therefore doing their own war tour, which is going to generate uh, media right before the start of the new series, which would be better for them than if it was happening now. You know, this is too far away, right? They're going to get media coverage right before the event, and it's so clever. It just makes you think, how can. It's kind of like the Nixon water, you know, Nixon White House. How can one half of it be incredibly confident and the other just so wrong? You know, it's weird. It's so cool though. But that's all I got. I don't know. I'm just rambling. No, I think they're, they're putting spin on it, aren't they? I, I don't think they, this was necessarily planned because the the other event was so, as you say, so massive. I don't think they can they can break those statistics, you know, uh, in 90 countries or whatever it was, but. Um, yeah, I think it's somebody trying to uh, make the make an omelette out of a, a, a dropped crate of eggs. Yeah, maybe. Oh, sorry, a souffle. Souffle. God, <laughs> got that wrong, didn't I? <laughs> Good catch, David. Good catch. Um, I did have uh, one other catcher uh, just sent to Ian. I've got um, uh, uh, maybe a small story, but um, since I live in Hyde, 
uh, I always try and mention uh, the Hyde fundraisers, uh, which do sterling work uh, here in the UK and North England. Uh, they do Doctor Who things, and they do uh, other uh, from other science fiction and so on, where they actually get in costume and go to events. They do not. They are a registered charity. Uh, some of their money goes to children in need and so on. Uh, the URL is uh, uh, HydeFundraisers.com, and Hyde Fundraisers is all one word. Uh, anyway, um, uh, Hyde Fundraisers is to reveal a new likeness of the fourth Doctor, as played by Tom Baker, at its charity display at Spaceport Merseyside. New sculpture will be unveiled at 10am on Sunday, the 3rd of August, and will join the collection of replica characters created to raise funds for children in need and other charities. The fourth Doctor has been sculpted by Phil Robinson, the man responsible for recreating the Davros mask for the 2005 stage show, Try the Davros. Uh, the sculpture will include a replica costume from season 18 as the Doctor is stepping from the police box. And on the day, there will also be chance to meet Rob, uh, Robinson and see some of his other sculpted work, meet Hyde fundraisers and get some photographs. Uh, the official BBC exhibition with genuine props and costumes from the TV series is, again, the Doctor Who experience in Cardiff. But um, if you've gone to the page there, let me put the page that the um, DoctorWhoNews.net have featured that story. You can see a close-up image of the Tom Maker wax figure, I suppose you would call it. Uh, looks pretty scary and pretty lifelike. So, back to you, Ian, and I hope that Audio came through all right for everyone. Ian? Yep, you are completely audible. Okay. <coughs> um, other news coming out of... Um, well, I don't know how long this was uh, kind of lurking around before Comic-Con, but I kind of was alluded to it because of Comic-Con um, and also because I was kind of in tune with it as we've just got done watching, re-watching Firefly plus Serenity at the end, of course, um, for... Well, it's the second time for my wife. It's like my third or fourth time now. But um, there will be a uh, Firefly Online game um, that is uh, slated. It was originally slated to come out um, within the next couple of months, uh, but they uh, and originally only coming out for um, Android and iOS. Uh, but now it is reported it's going to be coming out um, on PC um, via Steam. Um, and I got a little... Uh, uh, trailer here to play for you at uh, 1 minute 14. And here it goes. If I were a captain, I'd look like me, but maybe a bit taller. I'd be bigger. I'd want to get me a big, bad ship. My ship would be the best ship in the verse. I'd have the best engines for quick getaways, state-of-the-art cockpit, large cargo bay, and a med station. My ship would be pretty. I'm talking shiny pretty. Posters, plants. Oh, I would definitely touch down and see all the sights. I'd take my time exploring every corner of the verse. Good thing I've got that map. I would visit all the planets. I would start a few fights. I bet my crew would have my back. If I was a captain. If I was a captain. If I was a captain. I'd travel the verse. I'd keep my crew together. I would do whatever it takes to stay flying. Me? I'd aim to misbehave, but that's just me talking. 
Alrighty. Go Browncoats. I'm filling it, filling it the end. Um, who will actually uh, reprise his role as Captain Mel Reynolds in the game. Apparently all the uh, cast um, are either scheduled or, or have already uh, recorded the material that they're going to be using in the game. Uh, developers Quantum Mechanics and Sparkplug Games announced uh, filling in the rest of the actors make up the show. Um, will lend their voice uh, to the game. Um, and post to the official game um, the game's Facebook page, uh, which they do have uh, visited. Um, they explained that, that uh, I think they've only got uh, Gina Torres, uh, Summer Glau, and... Um, what's her name? I don't know, but they're two strong women, aren't they? Yes. Characters. Female characters. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, the game will cast players in the role of, uh, of captain of a customizable ship who must recruit a crew and complete jobs in the universe uh, populated by characters from the show and other players. Um, you can uh, check them out at www.keepflying.com. Now, just a warning about their website at the moment. Um, because of the announcement at Comic-Con, it basically blew out the, the, <laughs> the server that they were on. And their account was suspended. They have uh, basically spent the weekend moving things to a different site, um, and things, not everything is back up and running. I've actually gone over there and registered myself. Um, you can uh, catch that trailer. I, uh, I got the news off of Gamespot um, for their Comic Con news, and, and that sound clip that I played to. There's little bits and pieces of uh, of gameplay uh, video, uh, so and it looks quite good. I mean, uh, if you can truly be, you know, customize your own character and and customize your own ship, um, and go around flying and also be down on the ground and and, and doing missions and stuff, it sounds like um, it'd be a great game. Uh, regardless of the the whole Firefly universe, it sounds like it'd be, you know, um, yeah. Looking forward to that, actually, and I think I think I, I think I might actually be able to get my wife into uh, into that game because uh, yeah, really does like Firefly. Um, and as we mentioned before, there's been bits and pieces of Doctor Who news. Um, we also got a, a, a slight a new teaser trailer that came out, um, and I'll play that very brief audio now uh, in case you haven't quite caught it. So here it is. Just listen to this. Yeah, the, the, the clip involves uh, uh, the TARDIS with its doors wide open, uh, and they start you know start kind of moving up the TARDIS, and uh, and there's the Doctor sitting cross-legged, hopefully not on the light, um, <laughs> uh, sitting cross-legged on the top of the TARDIS, and as you heard at the end, he just says, "Listen," and there's a well, plant in the background behind him. Everybody says, I've heard people talk about it. Earth, no, it's Gallifrey. Oh, it's Earth, no, it's Gallifrey. So, goodness knows. Um, well, the, it could be absolutely nothing. It could just be a planet with lights on. Um, hmm. So, yeah, there's more stuff coming, and hopefully, hopefully we'll get another, a couple of teasers in, in, in between now and then, because they seem to be um, doing a nice job of kind of keeping us um, interested. You know, there's plenty of stuff going on at the moment, if you include 
uh, the release of certain scripts and videos. <laughs> right, Mike? <laughs> yeah. I'm, ju- I'm just trying to keep Mike engaged now. Like, what? What? Where's my unmute? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I have several mute switches right. going on here, but yes, listen, I am listening, and yes. <laughs> Things and stuff. Yeah, uh, the doctor sat on top of the TARDIS there. That must be rather uncomfortable. Mm. Well, they did say the doctor was going to a darker place. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Dave went there. <laughs> uh, Dave went to a darker place that none of us were thinking he was going to go. <laughs> All righty. Um, excuse the hammering going on. My son's rebuilding... Our living room, I think. <clears throat> is he is he knocking four times? Are you cut out there? Is he knocking what? Four times. Ah, yes, I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me to shut and get on with it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that about wraps up for news. Uh, just a small reminder: reminded everybody last week, uh, Orlando Nerdfest is coming up. Um, I will be there. If you see me wandering around with a Colton shirt on. Tap me on the shoulder and say, Dave does all the hard work, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. <laughs> but yeah, if if you see me there, come up and say hi. Um, I'll have my cards with me. Um, I'll have my shirt on, luckily. Um, yeah, and I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. Uh, my mother-in-law is graciously offered to mind the kids for the weekend, so my wife and I will be um, free. <laughs> free in Orlando roaming uh, nerd fest so we're really really kind of looking forward to kind of getting our geek on and uh and and being adults for a change uh, me an adult yeah. yes i know it's hard to imagine <laughs> and if yeah. you're um, so disposed yeah. his f- favorite drink is bushmills yes bush bushmills i think he said but it's audio cut out <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh <laughs> It's been a funny old show. <laughs> it has so, indeed. Yeah, uh, check out Orlando Nerfus. They, they, uh, check them out on the web and check them out on Facebook. Uh, they're also looking for volunteers. So if you are in the Orlando area and fancy getting in for free uh, in exchange for some work, um, come, and, come, and, uh, come on their Facebook page, uh, get in contact with them, and, uh, and you too could be uh, helping out with Orlando Nerfus and enjoying the content. All right. Dave's messaging me and saying it's all my fault. <laughs> uh, I think our allergy must right. be jinxed a bit well, today. Yeah. What? I think my audio is jinxed a bit. I'm going what? to step back a little bit. What? <laughs> so if you want to become part of the madness, which is the Colton Collective Podcast, here is exactly how you do it. If you enjoy listening, why not join the collective and participate yourself? Or on TalkShoe, call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a SIP client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the shoe phone find if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. Yeah, hearing you is the, uh, the <laughs> optimum term there. Never mind, that's not playing.
definitely the, the according. It's just been one of those shows, folks. Uh, Dave's audio is cutting out. Uh, we just lost Doris, and uh, we're about to go into the topic. Now, um, we 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 argued a bit about this topic, like where did this this particular phrase come from? But it's been bandied around a while, I think, in in, in especially social media that that nobody really wants to go and see a movie or or have a game that centers around a strong female character. Whether anybody actually said that, we thought, let's do a show about it. So, uh, and, and I mean, one of the things that kind of sprinted on was uh, uh, this news of Wonder Woman being um, in her own movie. Well, not in her own movie. She gets supported by Batman and Superman. Uh, and we got the release of the, uh, the, the picture from Comic-Con of uh, our first look at Wonder Woman and her costume, which I kind of like, actually. I like that it's kind of a coppery-looking uh, deal as opposed to, like, you know, the red and uh, the red and the blue and the gold and uh, it, you know, who knows if that's going to be her final you know the way she's going to that could be the way they find her and then she gets changed into something far more flashy who knows but uh, the odd thing is is we all love a strong female character and that's what we're here to talk about today um, and uh, I'm putting into uh, see Dave does this so much better than I do uh, I'm putting into the text chat now. Uh, a couple of links for us to to, to kind of gather around. Uh, a list of strong female characters, especially in science fiction and fantasy. My favorite, of course, is Captain January from Star Trek Voyager. There is no stronger captain because she's a woman. Uh, no. Mike, are you there? Yes, I am here. Sorry, it just takes a while. I have two different <laughs> mute switches Dave's going on here. Yeah. Um, yeah, since uh, Dave's having some trouble, and we hope that we are going to hear from him a little more. Uh, I think he's off to tell his son to get off Minecraft <laughs> while he's on the show. Um, have you heard this 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 whole uh, deal about you know women? You know, nobody's interested in seeing you know strong female characters or strong female characters in, in movies bandied around. I mean, I've seen it myself on yeah, and I've heard uh, Will Wheaton say it on on uh, his sci-fi show. Yeah, this is this is an well, argument. Yeah. Going. Sorry, Mike. I was just saying it was Rick Wall was going to introduce that part that he's had to drop off right. about uh, where where it's been, who's been talking about this. But please go ahead. Yeah. Well, this has been an argument that's, that's gone on for years, decades. It, even uh, this this whole argument of you know. The, the disparity between strong male lead characters in movies and strong female lead characters in movies, and now that we're in you know the 21st century, all video video games are thrown are thrown into. I, I heard you mention video games early on, and that's become a, a real issue nowadays. Of uh, are people interested in playing a video game with a strong female character or not? Uh, we've had we had some uh, some controversy from that from E3 this year. Uh, Ubisoft and their Assassin's Creed game. There was some discussion from them about how long it takes to develop a female character visual model. Uh, but anyway, this yeah, this it's it not this doesn't have a single specific source. This discussion, this this meme as we're as we're calling it, uh, it's just uh, the the disparity that we have the the ratio of movies with strong female characters to the more prolific uh, male lead characters in movies. You know, look at, it's it, it, it just in, in, in the realm of comic book movies, look at Marvel and DC. That's that's one reason, you know, Marvel has been doing has been doing well is 
look at, look at the, the female characters that they have in their movies. We have uh, we have uh, Black Widow, for instance, in in this the, the current cycle of Marvel movies. Um, and you look at DC, and there was a I think there was a quote from DC at some point. Someone with DC saying something along the lines of, "No one is interested in watching a Wonder Woman Wonder Woman movie, so that's why they're not going to have one." I think that was the, the quote was something along those lines. That was the gist of it. And so you look at that, and with DC, we have Batman and Superman as the two main movie figure characters there, and. Uh, that's how it goes. I mean, I think a, a part of it is that the mindset still in industry is that that science fiction and fantasy and, and, and comic books are still realms of, of of guys that really only guys are you know are, are reading and, and and watching and and they just seem to be totally um, out of touch with the fact that that. Uh, one of the geek cultures is made up of, of, of females who want to see themselves represented, you know, and 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 it's been going on for, for forever. I mean, I mean, even look back at uh, Alien movies, but Ripley. I mean, you talk about a strong female character. There's one right there that you know you wouldn't want to get on her bad side. <laughs> um, um, can I come in with audio have, at the uh, moment? You can try. I'd tell you something uh, else. Minecraft. Is it still? Is it still bad? It is a bit choppy. Uh, okay, is I just wanted to, to give. Okay, I just wanted to give you a list with just ten uh, sci-fi babes on, which, given babes. the number of people Here in the room, there's your problem right there, folks. <laughs> ten sci-fi um, babes. Uh, no, the the sorry, point is sorry, that. Guys, uh, the the thing is the other one the, the other list has forty, uh, and it covers eight pages. Uh, and with the number of people here on audio in the room, I think we might better just go into the those top ten and just doing a, a cut down topic today. This one's got audio on it. <laughs> I couldn't hear you. Um, actually, I had a list too that that, that had ten in it. I was going to briefly just go through here. Um, some of them I'm not aware even aware of. Uh, but uh, number number ten on this list is rocks from Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town, which I don't really think is a pretty good example because I've never heard of Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town. You may have, you may be throwing things at your screen right now, saying, "Ian, how can you have not seen Zombie, zombie Chicks in uh, Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town?" Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things that skip me by. Uh, but yeah, 1989's Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town. Starring a young Billy Bob Thornton, uh, provides some pretty strong female leads. Yes, uh, these are still stereotyped characters calling themselves the cycle. But, <clears throat> yeah, uh, it's okay, Dave. Uh, Darth already swore earlier on the show. Um, uh, but the notion of uh, a big group of gun wielding female bikers saving a town full of zombies is a pretty, pretty radical one, right? Uh, coming in at number nine on their list is uh, Jean Grey from X-Men. Now, I'm going to disagree with this one, because for the most part in the three X-Men movies, she was not entirely that strong. Uh, the last one, she became kind of um, almost possessed and evil, which to me does not say... I mean, yes, she was a strong female character, but uh, not exactly a role model, because she did some terrible things at the end. 
Uh, number eight, Dana Scully from the X-Files. Now, there you go. There's, um, well, she's not exactly rough and tumble. She's a uh, science chick. Oh, God, I'm being really, really bad. I'm being really sexist. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, she's smart, uh, intelligent, and uh, and good-looking. Um, and uh, let's see what it says here. She doesn't have to be big and tough with a laser gun. She doesn't have to be sexy and blonde uh, with a kid to protect. Well, she was sexy. Uh, she's an intelligent, red-headed uh, career woman who uh, runs rings of logic and reason around her spooky FBI partner, Fox Mulder. Because of these attributes, not despite them, we're all fond of Agent Scully. We all found, sorry, we all found Agent Scully rather hot. Scully provides that rare thing, a good role model for girls with uh, with uh, and a good fantasy for guys. <laughs> Sorry, my reading just deplorable. Right. Um. Actually, number seven. Uh, number seven. I'm going to give to Mike if he can if he can get to this link really quick because I feel I'm probably better worse at uh, from Princess Mononoke. Yeah, I'm I'm reading this and I'm noticing Mononoke. that. For their uh, English, tra- well, for the Japanese name, they have Mononoke Hime-san, which uh, just brief lesson in Japanese grammar. Hime is, is, is just is Japanese for princess, and San is just an honorific added to the end of the, end of the names. So Mononoke is her, is her name, uh, hence the translation to princess Mononoke. So this was a Hayao Miyazaki movie, Studio Ghibli uh, movie, in the late 90s, early 2000s, thereabouts. If you haven't seen this movie, uh, then definitely go go and find it. And that's, if you look back way back, well, not way back in the archives here on uh, Cultum Collective, but we did did an episode on animated films, and and Ken spoke at length about Studio Ghibli movies and how they and how uh, Hayao Miyazaki has a strong trend of of having his movies feature strong female protagonists. You you see that in so many uh, Miyazaki films, and Spirited Away is another great example. Uh, my, na- my neighbor Totoro. The, the the list goes on goes on and on, and this is a great example of of uh, of that trend that uh, Miyazaki that pushes with it with his movies, which I'm grateful for. Okay, my, and um, uh, if you're hearing me, okay, okay. Yeah, you sound good now. You're not not chopping out at all. Are you not? Oh, good. Uh, I was just saying, I'll, I'll uh, quickly try and look that one up we did. But um, as I was saying, unfortunately, those people listening to the recording later, we are suffering some uh, dropouts in audio. And uh, we we did announce that we've got some people who unfortunately can't make today's show are, are here, but not on audio. Um, I did suggest, I tried to suggest, although uh, my audio may not have been coming through, just to stick to the, either this list of 10 or the other other list of ten I put in there from um, from uh, WatchMojo.com. Um, I don't think we can do the whole four today, and maybe need to revisit this topic later. Um, Forty was just to kind of give it, people, you know, um, well, mainly us <laughs> people to talk about. Um, so yeah, I wasn't planning on going through the entire list because forty is forty is one of our longer topics. <laughs> when we have okay. more people here. Okay. But anyway, uh, number six, Lisa in the Omega Man. Here's what I have to say. She's beautiful and an adorable character. 
who fled from the zombies and helps run one of the last human communes uh, where she's devoted, she is devoted to raising the few healthy human kids left. Uh, to bring Hastings to the commune, Lisa saves him from the grips of oddball lights into the zombies and forces him to get on her motorbike at gunpoint. Certainly no shrieking violent and is an integral part of the survival of humankind. She's also really cool. And they didn't say really. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm centering as I go. Number five, Sarah Connor from Terminator and Terminator 2. Well, not so much from Terminator. Well, she made it through Terminator, so, you know. Uh, we were introduced to her, Sarah Connor, as a jaded waitress in a nowhere town in Los Angeles. An ordinary girl with a humdrum life and nothing exceptional in it. But in one moment of time, uh, one, in one moment of time-traveling cyborg fury, everything changes. Um, at first, she's protected by a hot future man, Kyle Reese, uh, who is loved her forever because she's a legendary soldier in uh, an historic future in his own time. Or at least she will be uh, when he is killed. Uh, and <laughs> Sorry, I'm reading my list. And she has uh, their son, John Connor, who, uh, who is the one who sent Reese to her time in the first place or something like that. Uh, and of course, in, in number two, she became, becomes this badass figure. Yes, she's in a psychiatric psychiatric hospital in the beginning, but that's okay. Um, she becomes this gun-wielding badass. Uh, well, she's actually been that before, but uh, when we catch up to her, she's in the, the hospital and um, is doing everything to protect her son. And, you know, uh, I gotta love Linda Hamilton for just, for being able to betray both of those sides. Um, that That was, you know, badass. Anybody want to chime in on that? Anything, well, anything you guys well, want to chime in on? Just interrupt. Well, me. I know well, it's difficult because I don't usually breathe. Uh, well, certainly the uh, Linda Hamilton who played Sarah Connor. I mean, she really uh, committed herself to that role, didn't she? I mean, she was uh, she the amount of training and physical training she went through to uh, to become how one would imagine that that character would develop. I mean, real commitment there and. Uh, you know, to me, she's up there with uh, with Ripley from Alien in terms of, you know, uh, being the sort of woman you wouldn't like to get on the wrong side of, and she's uh, she's yeah, every bit yeah, that's exactly <laughs> every 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 part of the role. I thought she was brilliant. Mm-hmm. All right, next up on the list, and hopefully my audio is a little more louder. Does that work? Yeah, yeah it's very loud. Uh, yeah. Is Princess Leia or what? Very loud. What? Too loud? Yep. All right, we'll try that. All right, yeah, number, four, number four on the list, played by Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia Organa. I think um, every, I mean, this is this is one of the things to, to me that, that really kind of, uh, when you hear the thing, you hear people talk about, oh, nobody wants to see strong female characters. It's like, did you watch Star Wars? Um, the neat thing is in watching that, and I was kind of watching it recently on Star Wars Day with my wife, um, and you just see her take charge of the whole situation in the beginning when they res- rescue her. Sure, she needed rescued in the beginning, but hey, it's Darth Vader. What do you want to do? Um, but as soon as she gets released, she takes control of the whole situation, and these guys kind of just tag in behind her. Um, 
you know, and and she goes in there alone and rescues uh, Han Solo from from the the clutch of the job of the hut. Yeah, there's nothing weak about um, Princess Leia. Nothing. Sorry, I didn't even read out anything that they wrote. I just <laughs> went off on my own instincts there. I'll read you what they say. Leia displays both intellect and guts uh, when fooling Jabba and bounty hunter Boba Fett into letting her stay at Jabba's palace so she can rescue her future husband, Han Solo. She's also philosophically and physically capable and proves herself uh, a great marksman and soldier for the Jedi. Leia is strong, smart, authoritative, and has a great sense of humor and heaps of integrity. Girls want to be Leia. Guys want to be with Leia. Yeah, and of course she's reprising her role again soon. Yes, yes. So that'll be interesting to see what kind of role. Um, oh, that was one of the things I saw in the Comic Con news is that, uh, uh, or at least some function that uh, Mark Hamill was at, he's got a beard. And oh yeah. He, he keeps saying it's a contractually obligated beard. So whether he's now being elevated to the kind of uh, uh, Obi-Wan kind of level, and so he has to have the beard. I don't know. I was like, once the Jedi get older, they have to have a beard. Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon had a beard. You know. Good point. Qui-Gon had a beard? I think so. I think I have Qui-Gon had a beard. He used to add facial hair. But anyway. Uh, should I try and take the next one, and we'll see how the audio goes? Certainly. Yeah. Uh, Lilu, number three. Lilu uh, from The Fifth Element, played by uh, Mila Jokovic. Joch- is it? Um, what we love about Lilu is not just the fact that she, being the fifth element, will save humanity, uh, but that she does so in the most adorable and modest way. Unlike so many strong female characters in sci-fi, Lilu doesn't eschew the classical feline qualities like uh, intuition, sensitivity, or grace. Sorry, feminine, that should be. She is vulnerable and tender while remaining incredibly fierce and smart. She's gentle and beautiful, and while also being lethal and kick-ass beyond belief. We just love the fact that the most intelligent, important being ever to have lived is a woman. Thank you for such a great character, Luke Besson, writer and director. Of course, Lilu still needs the love of a good man to fill a potential Corbin Dallas, played by Bruce Willis. But there is room within a strong female psyche for some hot loving. So who are we to deny Lilu her bit of action? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, um, she's fantastic in that, and I'm I'm always very fond of of, of uh, women who can who can kick bottom. Um, usually, my favorite characters in in, in shows and in movies, and in, in reality stuff. Uh, my favorite MythBuster is uh, Carrie Byron because um, she's intelligent, she's good looking, and she blows stuff up for a living. What's not to love? Uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm a guy. It's it's the kind of thing that makes, you know, does it for me, you know. Um, I would not mind it if my wife went and, you know, blew cement trucks up in a in a, in a quarry somewhere. That would be kind of cool. Um, so, yeah. All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> How do you announce this one? Oh, I don't know how to announce this. Number two in the list. Actually, number two and, and number one tie in together. Uh, from Aliens, the Alien Queen, Xenomorph. And uh, at number one, Alan Ripley. So, uh, 
Uh, Ripley certainly deals with uh, patronizing male characters, questioning her abilities throughout. She is, uh, in, in the first film, she's a little less confident, but in the sequel, she has a child to protect and rises to the occasion with conviction. Alan Ripley uh, consistently appears uh, in top ten, in top film character lists, and is often rank, uh, highest ranking uh, female to appear. For example, well, this list, uh, the American Film Institute uh, cited Ripley as number eight in their high, in their greatest heroes and villains of film as part of their ongoing 100 years series. Uh, our only surprise, she didn't rank higher. I mean, there's a list out there that we haven't done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and this list, uh, uh, they do have some honorable mentions. Um, uh, Makoto Kononono. Uh, I'm hoping I did that right. My, uh, Mike will be along in a minute to tell me I didn't. Anti-Entity uh, from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Lois Lane from Superman. I would disagree. Uh, Dola from Castle in the Sky. Storm from the X-Men. Uh, Ursa from Superman 2. Yeah, I get that. Uh, Cherry Darling from uh, Planet Terror. And Dale Arden from Flash Gordon. All right. Just pointing out yeah. here that in, that in that list that we have there, is uh, with Castle in the, in the Sky, with Adola, we have another uh, Hayao Miyazaki film mentioned. So that's great to see. Castle in the Sky is another Studio Ghibli film. So that, uh, Girl, the Girl Who Left Your Time is another anime. F- it's uh, Makoto Kono. That's a, The Girl Who Left Your Time. It's actually a novel by a Japanese author published in 1967 that has had a number of... Uh, adaptations in, in TV and film and anime, uh, film both uh, live action and anime over in Japan. The most recent the one that I'm most familiar with is the uh, 2006 anime film uh, adaptation, which was really it's a really good story. If you haven't seen it and if you uh, if you're into anime, then I definitely recommend tracking it down. Okay, and to give you a, a little bit of a rest, let me just uh, quickly go through the ten that are listed on the Watch Mojo dot com page um they've got top 10 sci-fi babes so let me just go quickly through those some of uh repeated though may not necessarily be in the same uh ranking uh number 10 is barbarella uh i'll just go through them and name them uh number nine is uh zev uh from lex um number eight is Iron's son is that farscape yep. stop if you want yep oh, uh, yeah. number seven no, no, no! Stop at number eight. Aaron's son from from Farscape. There's there's a a, a fantastic female character. Um, actually, when they start off with Farscape, um, she's you know one of the ensemble cast. You know the main cast member. You know John Crichton is the main character. Um, but quite quickly, she becomes almost on a par with him. Um, I mean, part of the reason why is is they kind of set up as as opposites to each other because um, John Crichton's from Earth, and and Aaron um, being Sebastian is they're um, they are very humanoid like. So she's he's given a counterpart to to to, to bounce off, but uh, Aaron's son is you know she's kick ass. The, the first scene you see her in um, is is quite deliberate. Uh, because she's got a she's got a helmet on and everything, and so she's kicking the 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 bejesus out of uh, John Crichton, 
Uh, Jesus, yes. And, uh, and then takes the helmet off, and there's this beautiful woman underneath. Um, and so it's just, yeah. And throughout the series, she's, you know, one of the strongest characters there. It, it, okay. Although I got I got to I got to disagree with the title of this list of Tom top ten sci fi babes. We're objectifying here, folks. <laughs> it's all right though. It's all right. Okay. Number seven is Lilu, who we mentioned before. Fifth Element. Number six, Saffron from Firefly. I've got I've got Num- to call them up on this one though. Um, there are there are better female characters in Firefly than. Um, and then Saffron. I mean, Saffron's opportunistic. She's a bit of a rogue. Uh, but Zoe, uh, Zoe Washburn is probably the most kick-ass uh, on that show. I I gotta say. Sorry. I mean, she's second oh. in command. She fought in the war alongside uh, Mal. Um, Saffron's just this opportunistic uh, B-word. <laughs> Sorry. No, great. And she's still Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites, number five, is Seven of Nine from Star Trek Voyager. Yeah. I thought uh, she was a great character. Um, number four, the, the, the great one. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you again. The great, the great thing about, I think, about Seven of Nine um, is that when she was brought, and I think a lot of this is due, due to the actress, when she was brought on board and you know they revealed the, the, the sleek, Slinky outfit, figure hugging outfit. Um, we're like, oh well, we know why she's here. She's to boost ratings, get you know the dads and. Um, but I think Jerry Ryan kind of imbued her with with something more, um, and I think the script writers ran with that, and they just gave her more character to work with, and 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 I think you know. Uh, she became more than I think what she was supposed to be. I think she they they brought her on to to you know to be that sex symbol, and I think she became far more than just a sex symbol on that show. Oh, absolutely, yeah, uh, indeed. Number four, Samantha Carter from uh, Star Stargate oh, SG One. Yes. Oh yes, <laughs> um, you just got to watch her introduction in in, in Stargate SG One to just know why she's awesome and from there on you just kind of have to follow her um she basically has a knockdown drag out fight with um um with colonel o'neill right at the get-go and and kind of lays lays down the law to all the guys basically saying just because my reproductive organs are on the inside and on the outside doesn't mean i can't do anything you can do i played with gi joe when i was a boy you know Uh, number and three. She's an astrophysicist. I mean, she's not only like really oh. kick-ass and, and can handle a gun and everything. She um, she's uber smart, uber uber smart. She's an astrophysicist, and yeah, so and she can fly fighter jets, and she's just cool. Okay, uh, number three is number six. Oh yeah, from Battlestar Galactica. Uh, okay, oh, we better not say what she is, it might be a spoiler. Well, the, I can't read it out, so it might be a spoiler. Uh, so let's jump to number two. Oh, no, everybody, and knows, that is, everybody knows who six is at the, at the beginning, I believe. Do we? Yeah. All right. But anyway. But she's a siren, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, number two, Uhura, Star Trek. Um, not sure. Strong. Yeah. Yes, strong. Not in a physical way, but certainly strong character. I mean, in the original series, I mean, in the original series, not not so much. Um, I think she became more so during the movies, um, and not so much in the new movies. <laughs> Sorry, I don't think of her much of her in the in the, in the reboot. Um, you know, I would agree with you on that. Know, yes, is that with her with her character on the the, the Abrams movies, she's all about Spock. That's what drives her character, and that's disappointing. It's it undermined that character, I think, by yeah. having her have a relationship with Spock. Not having a relationship, having a relationship with Spock. It's become this kind of spock or dynamic that we just don't really care about. Uh, you know, I, I would have felt better at the beginning of uh, this new movie if if their relationship had, you know, gone away. Um yeah, you know, but it didn't. Mm. Difficult one, that, yeah. And uh, number one on this list is uh, Princess Leia again. I think I've said it right this time. Yay, Leia! <laughs> okay. Now, uh, I don't know how much longer you want to, to talk on this, but just as uh, an aside while you make that decision, um, I had a quick look at, um, at Forbes. Forbes, and um, they've got um, a list of the um, the top uh, twenty highest paid actresses, and I just thought it might be interesting if I just go through these and see how many of these have probably made their name either as a you know a romantic rom com actress or indeed as a strong female. So we've got at number one out of twenty, Angelina Jolie. Who's highest paid actress at thirty million dollars? Well, she's played some strong characters in her time. Uh, certainly for that. Um, at, at number two, uh, oh, hang on, jump one. Um, now that's funny. Uh, when I go to two, it says Angela Jolie again. <laughs> Something wrong with that? Because uh, the next one is uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, number three, but still with $30 million. Um, and she's on number four as well. Jennifer Aniston at $28 million, Mostly rom-coms, I think, there. Mm. Um, Reese Witherspoon, $28 million. Uh, Julia Roberts, $20 million. So mostly soft characters up there. Kirsten Stewart, $20 million. Well, of course, um, she's it from the Twilight uh Stories, but is she, is she more the victim than the hero in terms of the thing? Because um, I, I saw the first Twilight film, uh, so I haven't, I haven't known how the characters developed over the later ones. Whether she's become a stronger, harder character, or she's basically the, um, you know, the pawn between the two rivals of the vampires and the werewolves. Right. Um. Catherine Heigl, is it? Is that how you pronounce the second name? Uh, 19 million. So what was that? Catherine Heigl, H-E-I-G-L. Not too familiar with many of her films, so I can't really state on that. Um, Nope. Uh, Cameron Diaz, 18 million. 
she's usually uh, she's usually played the love interest, but um, didn't she play in the um, my my ex super girlfriend or something? Wasn't she the star of that? Hmm. I'm not sure. She's been okay. in a lot of stuff though. I mean, she, uh, Cameron Diaz. She was in um, the Mask, the first uh, one. Was Charlie's in... Angels too. Ah, of course, yes. Well done. Um, the reboots. Um, yeah, so she's more than kick ass. The next one is um, Sandra Bullock, fifteen million. Who's played uh, different different uh, types, of course. Um, the ones where she plays the the police. Well, she was in Speed, wasn't she? And then she was the um, the cop that had to go into a beauty pageant uh, on another. So she plays some strong characters. And of course, most recently, as could you call her the heroine in Gravity? So that's probably a strong female lead character right. there. Uh, Meryl Streep, ten million. Uh, more, more certainly a strong character, but not. Not in the way. Mainly, people have a, a, a strong moral centre, that sort of strength, uh, really, with her. Uh, and my page is just refreshing to an advert. <laughs> and it stopped at that. It stopped at those. So well, the one thing just... to do while, the, while you're doing that, trying to get that back, Dave, is that one thing that occurred to me is all the. Uh... All the characters you tend to go on the most about all tend to be um, you, you love Buffy, right? Mm. Uh, you uh, love the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Um, you tend to actually, from from what I've discovered about you over the years, tend to gravitate more towards the strong female characters. Well, yeah, I liked I like uh, the actress who uh, played it was in True Calling, and then. Was in the, the well, unfortunately that got canned early uh, at the start of the second season, and then of course she was in doll. Um, is it called Dolls? Um, Dollhouse. Dollhouse. That's right. Yeah, I thought she was good in Dollhouse. I liked uh, Fred Winifred Burkle from uh, Angel. I thought Chris McCar- Carpenter played a good, strong moral centre role as well in both Buffy and Angel. Um, uh, I certainly thought uh, Summer Glau in um, Sarah Connor Chronicles was great. Uh, even in that short run um, story when they went back in time on Earth, Terra Nova, the um, the British actress who played the, the 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 wife of the supposed main character, um, uh, he's in prison, but they get him out. Of, she gets him out of prison so they can go back and start a new life. Um, and she's a doctor, but she's a very strong character. Can't remember the actress's name. And of course, um, uh, there's one or two others that we we've seen um, when we watched um, that latest uh, drama document, not drama documentary, the um, the Day of the Triffids one uh, right. that we we talked about. Um, so that was good. And then in other films, there's um, the um, Oh, the one where it's the end of the Earth, the comet's going to hit the mass extinction event at Tip, Tia, Tia, Tia Leone, is it? Right. Uh, and um, that's the one where uh, she ends up on the beach with her father. Um, she's, there's a split between her and her father because her father's taking a young wife and they don't get on, but... Uh, 
uh, anybody over the age of under the age of fifty could go into the shelters and be saved, but anybody over fifty was was expendable. Um, and okay. her father, sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember what was the name of the film though. Uh, Deep Impact. Deep Impact. Um, that's it. That's it. Deep Impact. Yeah. Okay. There so, was a couple uh, around that so, time. Yeah. There was Deep Impact, and there was, um, yeah, the Bruce Willis one. And the, uh, yeah, the uh, I'm a, I'm a good man, um, Armageddon. Armageddon. That's it. Well done. Yeah. So, so, so there are a few. I mean, like the Sandra Bullock one with Gravity, uh, having that been so successful. I'm sure, indeed, that's going to to do that. And I think this uh, page actually, because there are twenty, there were twenty pictures. It just says Hollywood's highest-paid actresses. So when I saw twenty, I assumed it were, there were twenty, but for each one, they've had two images. So there are only the ones that I named. Ah, but thank you for giving me time to check that. No problem. It's uh, unfortunately, you know. I feel that we do need to apologize for this topic today. It was supposed mm. to be something a little more than this, um, but uh, as we've alluded to, um, through audio issues and just uh, uh, and, you know, people with uh, other things going on in their lives at the moment, it just you just left with me and Dave and Mike. Uh, and Mike's only here because we handcuffed uh, we him. More lead- <laughs> 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 um, so you were left with two... Um, not very strong male leads. <laughs> but but like I was saying, you know, I, I mean, the idea of the show wasn't to say, you know, wasn't to, to to necessarily prove the point because the point, as you can see by the list, has already been proven. We've all seen these movies or TV shows and, and seen these characters in action. It's just to point out the ridiculousness of the statement and to point out, I guess, the ridiculousness of, of the fact that in order to get Wonder Woman in a movie, she has to be bookended by Batman and Superman. Um, that the people like uh, that people can use the fact that it's difficult to have a female character in a in a video game um, because they're difficult to render or whatever. As well, well, you can't get boobs right. Um, <laughs> it, it it's not a good, there is no excuse really for not being able to come up with um, a, a strong female character. Um, most of the characters I usually, if if I'm doing an MMORPG, I usually pick a, a strong female character as opposed to a male character. I don't know why. Um, yeah, it's the, well, the other, yeah, whatever. The, well, no. the, the, uh, <laughs> the, the other thing I as well, that even with the with strong male uh, characters in tough role things, uh, even there's a pretty hard time uh, with the money men with that because I mean, uh, I, I read uh, Liam Neeson doing an interview recently and um you know he, his career was was revitalized when he did taken uh right. which wasn't expected to be a, a great hit but it it really was a great hit but he was already about 45 48 when he did that and he said ah oh, i wish <laughs> i wish it had my resurgence hadn't come from this he said it's so tiring because he's about <laughs> 53 or 4 now uh, right. and of course now he's had since that was so successful, he's done about five or six. You've got Samuel L. Jackson with making a film called Snakes on a Plane. You think, well, you know, that's going to bomb and die, but it was successful. Uh, and then you've got, uh, I mean, Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone, done his Rocky, done his Rambo, uh, and now the, you know, the, um, 
the old ones that is with um, uh, where virtually all the actors are over 50 uh, there's not many I mean uh, I, I think Tom Cruise is about the youngest leading man action person really uh, and maybe um, uh, the actor who plays Wolverine uh, they're the ones that are leading although I suppose with the new group of um, you know uh, people in um, uh, X-Men uh, you know X-Men Days of Future Past and all that right. they're trying to get a younger one uh, the, to me, we're not talking about them, but the the main character actor I think who's really coming on strong is uh, Tom Hardy. He's been in some fantastic ones, um, and uh, you know some really good actors. But what I'm trying to say in a bad way is that you know it takes the the male actors. You know they've got to do five or six or seven action movies before they get. Uh, you know, really funded for it. I mean, I suppose Vin Diesel um, is the sort of um, the modern-day one that, um, like Sylvester Stallone, his first role was, you know, hardly taught and just killed. Uh, and and it, each time he's done a film, you know, he's got an extra five million for it. So he's gone from, like, a, a one million uh, dollar movie man to, you know, uh, supporting, you know, his name above the titles... Then, of course, he's gone into, with Jason Statham, you know, these Fast and Furious and the Expendables and all that. So what I'm trying to say is it's difficult for the men. These women, they may not have reached the scale and visibility of some of these men, but there may be uh, more of the women in these strong lead roles when you actually do a a, a sort of account as we've done today. Right. Alrighty. Well, I think we're going to draw a line under this one. Um, yep. As I said, we're a little short on audio, so you've heard our opinions. Unfortunately, the uh, opinions of the others of the collective are not available at this time. Please leave a message, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. <laughs> um, one thing I forgot to mention earlier when we were doing news, um, Darth had mentioned about the uh, the premiere of uh, uh the first episode of uh, New Doctor Who, uh, Deep Breath, uh, will be in theaters. By the looks of things, not on the actual date, but uh, uh, the following Monday. Uh, if you go to doctorwho.tv uh, slash watch slash cinema, uh, there are uh, some, uh, if you scroll under the bottom, there's some frequently asked questions. Uh, which countries can, will it be in? Uh, where can I buy tickets? Uh, will Deep Breath be in 3D? No. But it'll still look incredible on the big screen, is what they're telling us. Uh, can we dress up? Yes, just don't, just leave your weapons at home. Um, and one of the things that surprised me is, is, will we get to see anything extra in the cinema? It says, yes, there will be additional content in cinemas, uh, which will also be made available at a later date. So if you do go and see it in the cinema, uh, a couple of days after it premieres, uh, there will be some additional material included. Uh, I think last time in the theaters there was some interview material, etc., that was included and and uh, an intro done as well. Yeah, so, the, uh, the the keep an eye last on that year website. for the for the day of the Doctor last year, the the additional material in the cinema was a brief introduction by Strax, and then there was a brief introduction by Matt Smith as the Doctor, talking about 3D and putting on 3D glasses. And 
That was the bonus material. Excellent. Oh, and the final question on the, QA, on, the on the frequently asked questions is, uh, where are we going now? Into darkness. So there you go. So keep an eye on that website also, as they uh, as Darth alluded to, Fathom Events. Uh, looks like they're going to be uh, hosting the event in the U.S. Um, so keep an eye out on their website. If you go to their website and go to um, and go to I'm I'm trying to remember what dark, uh, date Darth said. Uh, I think it's the twenty fifth. Yeah. If you click on that on their on their uh, calendar down the bottom, it'll take you to that event page. So you can keep an eye on that there as soon as the, I think they said tickets are due to become available on my birthday, uh, July 31st. So, hey. so keep an eye out around July 31st. That's when tickets are supposed to become available. So I'm assuming that we're going to hear uh, a lot more new news coming out about this over the next couple of days leading up to, to the tickets going on sale. So, yep, keep an eye out for that. And, and uh, can I an just say... Sir, go ahead. I was just saying to uh, when you were mentioning that uh, uh, episode we did with Ken involved, was that, that you, did you mean the um, top motion capture characters one, episode two sixty four? No, it was like? a, no, it was earlier than that. It was, it was the top ten or whatever list of animated movies. It was, it was a list of animated list. movies. Have we done any top ten lists, Ian? <laughs> it was a list episode. I don't think we can uh, do that long to do <laughs> list episodes. Yeah, it'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, with 460 to look through, I'm, I'm just not finding it at the moment, so apologies for that. But I think we've had a wrap-up while we're <laughs> almost still ahead. Yes. Hello, my name's Toby Haydock, and you're listening to the Cultdom Collective Podcast. Well, I'm glad you didn't say uh, a different... and uh, I won't say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'm at, I'll put it in. I'll put it in a text to you. <laughs> there you go. Alrighty. Well, uh, that's about it for us. Hopefully, next week we'll have a far more engaging topic, which will bring in the punters. Um, so until then, it's goodbye from Mr. Randall Thor. It's goodbye from Dave AC. It's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>